With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This week's episode on Around the Coin, we focus on Cora's recent top writers meetup, how Cora will eventually monetize, and the secrets to getting the most out of Cora's brilliant community by two of the most active writers in the game. All right, guys, this is episode 20 of Around the Coin. This is a a uh, bit of a unique episode. Today we're going to be talking about Quora, uh, what it's meant for all of us, how we were able to use it. Um, and Brian is actually up in Palo Alto uh, after the top writers meeting got out and he's enjoying a little bit of poolside action, I understand today, Brian? Uh, yeah, just a bit, just a bit. <laughs> Faisal, uh, Faisal morning, guys. How's, uh, how's things in your neck of the woods? All is good. Good morning to you. Mm. Yeah. Bit of a week, Brian. How is the uh, top writers meetup? It it was absolutely unexpectedly amazing. Actually, um, you know, I always I've been to um, I think one or two of these before, but they weren't really top writers. They were more meet and greets, um, and uh, I was excited because it was an invitation to actually come to Quora's headquarters on on floor four. But nobody got to go to floor five, uh, the secret floor. Uh, <laughs> of uh, of the uh, complex uh, that controls the core world. Where are they now? Are they right in San Francisco? Or are they in Palo Alto? No, no they're in Mountain View and uh, downtown Mountain View, and it's um, uh, really quite a nice area. I mean, the, the after parties were um, were basically we took over the streets. Uh, a bunch of uh, core nerds uh, controlling the town till all hours. Was of it the morning. was it programming? Was that the <laughs> they weren't yeah, programming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were creating content while we were moving through town. They were testing a new Quora uh, uh, app. Uh, you know, uh, while you consume alcoholic beverages. But so, uh, so, so this, this 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 crew must have been quite a quite a gathering, right? I mean, these are I, some of the the. Uh, do they look at it by top content? By t- is it a, is it a community community generated list? Is it by the number of answers as a whole? Who gets picked to go up there? There's um, there's an old coffee can in the back of the office that they shake up. I, I don't, I have no idea how 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 I got uh, to be on this list of so many esteemed and amazing individuals. Um, you know, um, they they don't really disclose the exact um, um, you know, matrix that they use to uh, to determine this, but I could tell you the individuals I had come across who I've read. You know, it's always hard to place the person with their writing, mm. and um, it's very seductive to get to know somebody through their words, and then meet them in person. And uh, uh, you know, I'm a study of human beings, and I don't care as shy as somebody might be or as extrovert. Uh, I find them just as fascinating and, and interesting. And I think the part of the issue with uh, with a uh, core uh, is it, it tends to pull a lot of introverts. In uh, a lot of high knowledge individuals tend to be somewhat more introverted, and I think just the fact that everybody knew um, each other sort of beforehand, uh, primarily deeply by following what they've written, has made it uh, a lot of people open up and surface their personalities a lot more than I think you would normally uh, you would normally discover. And uh, so, so how, that was how, how many ahead. people showed up. Uh, I would estimate. Maybe over 200. Um, 
it it it, uh, it was not always um, clear because it kind of flowed into um, essentially two rooms. And uh, the thing that I found uh, fascinating is, you know, as more people joined, it actually allowed people to become more conversational, and it got really really loud. Uh, it got so crazy in there that uh, we actually had uh, the fire alarm go off. <laughs> really. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, heard some peop- I heard some people were vaping or something, and then the fire alarm uh, went. I have no – actually, you know, I think what really happened is uh, uh, being in the Valley, there is this whole um, uh, production of, uh, of new office um, people moving in and moving out, and somebody down in the basement knocked something that made the fa- fire alarm go off. And, uh, and so that became um, a bit of um, a bit of an interesting thing because everybody had to leave the building, and we were pretty much the only – you know, people there on a Friday evening, right? And uh, so we got out and all hung out in a courtyard. And I think that experience probably was more monumental to me because I got to meet people uh, in, in, in sort of a, a more open setting. Uh, the office was open. It was in their lunch area, uh, eating area. But it just seemed, I almost wanted to have everybody hang out down there. It was a good but, change of pace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, was, it was really great. Um, you know, and meeting people that have such... Um, a dedication to their knowledge set hmm. is is always fascinating because they literally are the one half of one half of one percent, you know. And um, you know, it's not like everybody there is 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 going to um, you know be billionaires or or control uh, you know the world or anything like that. A lot of these uh, these people are just incredibly knowledgeable and 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 humble with their knowledge. Yeah, Phil's uh, money is not their motivation by any means. There's no doubt. Right. It strikes me that a lot of these people could have been doing a lot of the things they were saying quite amazingly. Because uh, right now, Quora doesn't, Quora doesn't make money, right? No one makes money from their content. It's not like YouTube where people are actually creating content for the purpose of yes, monetization. Uh, yes, this was, uh, monetization was actually you know, discussed. Uh, uh, Adam D'Angelo, um, the, the brain of Quora, as I put it, with Mark Bodnick being the heart uh, of core, uh, you know they they really are the the two of them have really balanced uh, what I think is an amazing product. Um, you know, Adam gave a, a speech and uh, and a question and answer, and he really genuinely wants to just let this grow organically and to find ways for more people to join and to surface their knowledge, even though they may not feel that they are, you know quote-unquote expert or, or Mensa high IQ material. And uh, we talked about ways to break down the barrier uh, to allow, you know, uh, the one, i give an example. One of the things that blew me away, I've, I'm a, a nerd in a lot of things, but uh, traffic um, control systems have always been interesting to me. And, you know, surfacing great information on Quora for me is, was always hard. One of the ways I, I did that in the early days with their earlier algorithm was just to follow a whole lot of people and have a huge fire hose, I would call it Niagara Falls, and I would get so much information that I didn't know I wanted to know. This is my whole core journey. It's my attraction to this right. thing. It's all the stuff that I didn't know I wanted to know. And that's the challenge with any algorithm is how do you surface information to people that's not just trivial, that's something that's touching them. You know, I mean, we can find trivial stuff on, on YouTube and, you know, dogs chasing their tail. And that's maybe things you didn't know you wanted to know. And hopefully you forget soon. But in Quora, you know, there's this um, a branching tree of ideas that come uh, when, when you find out how things are working. And I'll surface this thing. Uh, I was following different topics. It wasn't working very well. So I started following just random people who I found interesting and may have just posed one really good question or one really good answer. And this uh, gentleman, uh, and unfortunately I forget his name now because I'm challenging myself, but he is a traffic control expert and he's, uh, I believe, a second generation uh, individual working in this. His dad worked in the days of mechanical traffic control devices. And we're talking about stoplights and caution mm-hmm. signs, and automatic. And I was always intrigued by this. And so he started answering a machine gun line of questions and answers uh, that had been just out there randomly. And he became, I think, an immediate star just by the, the <laughs> it's fact It's funny, that- once, you, once you have this sort of this niche of knowledge and you could, you could spray it, it's, it's amazing how quickly you can become an expert, right? 
perceived exactly. expert in your field. But you know, I, I I tend not to like to use the word expert because it. it, it to my mind, it, it, it's a defining endpoint, and uh, a lot of experts who call themselves experts, like in a maybe somewhat arrogant sort of manner, I think um, almost shut themselves down to opening themselves up to new knowledge. Uh, I would just say that these are domo- people who have a great understanding of their domain experiences, uh, and this individual definitely had it. And uh, anyway, I started interacting, and one of the things I asked was about mesh networks and how these things communicate because I just wanted to know that. And he said, there aren't really any at this point. I go, so how do they sequence these traffic lights? And he goes, well, it's sort of, uh, it's sort of winging it. And I go, what do you mean? I, they take all this data and they don't, don't they compute it? And he, go, he goes, no, not really. And uh, it's only to a, to a degree which would shock you. Hmm. And that just immediately opened my mind to, holy, these traffic control systems that I've been thinking that we're sequencing cities that I assumed really stunk, really do stink because they're really not doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. And that's pretty much what he was saying. So right there in that one conversation, I realized that there was opportunity for innovation at some very sliver segmented market. God, I almost think there's no better group to pry for knowledge to find business opportunities than that group of 200 individuals from that Quora meetup. You know, if you're going to talk to them about opportunities, problems in their worlds, God, no one has a better handle on that. Um, even if you almost look at them from an advisory point of view, that's a very interesting crowd. You know, Mike, the thing that's always struck me, and, and I'm guilty of this myself, is we spout out a lot of stuff. Um, maybe more people I've come across than myself. And, and, uh, and they just willingly give out incredible information. And I sometimes wonder, what would it be like if there was an editing team that was recording this in some manner and shaping it sort of on, on, on a grease board of, okay, here's some business ideas, here's some plans, here, here's some interconnections. Sort of like the brainstorming sessions. I've, I've had so many, I probably, I can't even count how many I've had in, in, in 30 years where some incredible business ideas came out of. And these were always free-flowing. The more free-flowing and bizarre, the more radical and, and uh, impactful the ideas and the more successful they yeah, were. Yeah, even to provide a spark. So Brian, from this group, you know, you were the, this is not your first meetup, right? Have you been to another Top Writers meetup? It wasn't a Top Writers. It was more of a, uh, of a, sort of a core get-together. And uh, that had a lot of very high-wattage individuals in the startup community. So is there any, is there any uh, sort of drama between who gets invited to the top writers? Do people get booted out if they stop writing? Uh, no, no. Every, every top writer, I think 2013, was invited. Yes. Uh, and uh, they had in, uh, given the invitation, I think, about two, almost two and a half months prior Yes, uh, it was it was being talked on Quora a lot, uh, especially on the Facebook forums of Quora, uh, the pages that they have for top writers, etc. And uh, but uh, Brian, any names you want to shout out? Well, uh, obviously, Mark and Adam. Uh, I uh, my view is I am so very thankful about their graciousness and their desire to not just build an algorithm that surfaces knowledge, if you will, but to actually build that community. And, um, you know, uh, uh, I, I get my kid his wrong, first name wrong. Jonathan Brill, I believe, is the um, writer liaison uh, uh, of, that they just brought in. And now this guy, in and of himself, uh, you, you could watch this guy lead a startup almost anywhere. Incredible leader, um, incredibly dedicated, uh, was behind the scenes linking people up who he thought they needed to meet. He... He purposely, but by, you know, not behind the scenes, made me link up with people who I knew I de- definitely needed to meet. But, you know, it's hard to read the name tags. It's hard to place the faces. Some people don't have, some people have avatars or, you know, nature scenes. So you don't really know who they are. And, uh, and he was linking me up. And so we got, uh, he, again, I was blown away by him. Adam, Mark Bodnick, as far as I'm concerned, is just an amazing individual. Um, you know, and uh, going going around, uh, Jay Wacker, who is probably you know a silent mentor to me as far as uh, his mind. This is a yeah. He's a, he's a, a recent hire at Cora. Uh, from comes from physics, right? From physics. He is a, a top, in my view, a top theoretician, uh, uh, a physicist, and he's also uh, a Stanford uh, professor, and he's working. 
still uh, indirectly within the field of physics, but he saw this collection of human knowledge and he was attracted to it like all of us here. I think anybody listening to this is probably in some ways seduced by what Quora offers. And I think it's a proper seduction, if, if you will. Brian, let me but, ask you this. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're looking at Quora. They've raised $140 million. Uh, just last month, they raised their largest round of $80 million. What's coming down the pipeline? I mean, are they planning a monetization approach? Are they looking at a major product update in some capacity? Uh, what's, the, what's the inside scoop on what's, what's coming down the pipe at Quora? You know, it's interesting because we know they have to monetize, right? Um, and they're being extremely thoughtful about this. Uh, Adam D'Angelo, he, he graciously opened up a Q&A session. Uh, none of us were allowed to record it, and we generally aren't allowed to speak to deep detail. But it, it's no secret that they need to monetize. It's no secret that they need to continue to attract <laughs> incredible knowledge and, uh, and, and new users. Well, you know, uh, uh, I don't know how many of you have thought about this thing, but, you know, every good company eventually has people leaving or et cetera, and then make new tech companies. Apple has done this, Intel has done this, HP. Yes. Uh, Around the Coin was probably the first, at least I know, spinoff from Quora, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Indirectly. Yes. I mean, all three of us met through Quora. All three of us communicated on Quora, got to to know each other on Quora, and uh, here we are. Mm. It, it is an amazing, I, can't, I cannot tell you, I would say in my time on Quora, I've met more incredible individuals than my entire existence on the planet combined. So um, Brian, are we going to start to see display ads? Are we going to start to see, what other well, options as far as monetization? You know, well, I think the, the New York Times article said that 2015 was the year for that, right? The monetization? Well, you know, they're, they're not putting an exact date on it. They're not running out of money anytime soon. Uh, by getting one of the top minds in the world, I think, at organizing information, uh, you know, a, a top theoretical physicist uh, to, to sort of attack this problem. Because their problem really is how do I, again, how do we get the stuff that we knew that, that we would love that we knew that we didn't know we loved, you know, uh, or I'm saying it improper, in, in but essentially most of my core experiences, I discover stuff that I, I didn't know I wanted to know. And, uh, and that's one of my themes. If, if, if I was going to be a parrot at core, one of the things I kept repeating in, uh, another individual who works at core is just a brilliant, brilliant, uh, um, data scientist, your Yar Levine. Um, originally from Israel and working at Quora from, I think, very early days. And we had this phenomenal discussion about how we can surface data and how do we build these algorithms. And, you know, I'm, I believe that the human uh, being is more visual, even those people who claim that they're not visual, because we store our information in our mind in a visual context. When we, when we store a, um, a calculation, I, I'm, you know, as a math guy, uh, when I store a calculation away, it's a visualization. It's not the numbers. It's the symbols. So it's a symbolic memory. And I said the way I would love to discover new content on Quora is visually, like a bubble, like all these bubbles of, of topics that are taking off. The bubbles grow as those topics get larger, and they vibrate and t- change color according to the activity level at that particular moment. And I would love to dive into a sea. It doesn't have to be, you know, 3D glasses with an Oculus Rift interface. It could just be this graphical interface that allows me to surface data and information that I otherwise could not find in a linear type of layout. And um, so I, um, I really carried that flag. I hope Jay and Yur and uh, Mark and, and Adam um, maybe uh, buy into that notion because I think it's a lot of, a, a lot of opportunity uh, to create these new interfaces to find knowledge, they so, are going. Brian, going is the do you think they layer on a, a monetization approach of expanding the visibility in the sense of what a promote does? So, if you have credits on Quora, you can promote your answers and your questions to essentially get greater visibility and increase the likelihood of people reading, upvoting, 
answering questions that you have, which come in, come in handy when you have specific business questions you want to expose. And there's a lot of, I would say, financial incentive to grow those. That seems like an obvious approach to say, you know, you can buy in credits, right? One credit's worth, there's a going rate, one credit's worth $2. Um, you think, I would imagine that would be their first approach to monetization, testing it how credits went. Absolutely. And, 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 uh, and you're, you know, we're like mind melding on this. This is exactly, and I'm sure Faisal's in the same sense. We look at this transaction system called core credits and, you know, it started out, I think a lot of people on core at the time thought it to be a joke. And I saw the power immediately. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I'm so big about nano transactions and microtransactions, mm-hmm. and and it's equating a value to an upvote, a monetary value within maybe a a, a quarter coin. By the way, I quarter coin. Wow, that. you've heard yeah. it here first. Let's go. I, 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 I have <laughs> reserved. I have reserved the domain name. Uh, my good friends at Core. It is available for you at no charge. Quarrecoin.com. But you know what. A, what I believe mm, so is, we're definitely going the cryptocurrency. Do you think no, they no, even no, launch no. with a USD? Oh, they no, go no, straight no. to hold straight on, to crypto. On. I'm I'm fantasizing. They have not ta- talked about that. I, that's my fantasy. Mm-hmm. But let's let's back off. If we look at the premise of what the credits were about, uh, it was a way to sort of be a flow control uh, because at one time, and I'm not so certain today, that it cost you money to place a cost you core credits to place a question in the system. And, uh, and then, you know, to get that question surfaced to a, a broader audience outside your, your, your group of followers, you would have to spend credits. So essentially it was you were getting paid for the content you created within this core economy. And this is a brilliant, brilliant thing. Uh, I think it's, it has not been used even close to hmm. the level it could be used. And, and one of the things, Mike, and this is why I think you're such a great business mind, is you immediately saw the prospect of, okay, can we take that credit and convert it into something that is a commercial promotion, but not necessarily an advertisement, maybe a discussion around a product, maybe a way to engage around a product, uh, a way to maybe use the, the, the hive mind of Core to help build what, uh, what uh, a company might want to be doing. Maybe let's call it test marketing. Here I am in uh, Palo Alto, Mountain View, and uh, I, I, I ran into five vehicle uh, car studies that people wanted to give me $50 gift cards if I would please drive their vehicle. One was Cadillac. One, strangely enough, was Porsche. Like, you're going to pay me to drive a Porsche? Okay. I, this, is, this is interesting. Now, I get that sometimes in Beverly Hills, uh, other parts, New York sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was more so here. And I think the reason why is you have people who, just by definition of the cost of living out here, and and uh, you know Stanford, very close to Stanford right now, um, you know they want to hear their deep-seated feelings, and uh, this is kind of similar to what Core is doing, right? All of us, all of us, so here true, are offering our opinions. It on sure things. is, and you want you know, everyone has this. Saying, everyone's got the feeling they want to be heard, right? Yeah, you yeah. know, and I, I talked a lot about this, you know, and I, I think people are embarrassed by this, but we are, we all have this sort of desire to be, um, you know, I, I wouldn't call it egotistical, but, you know, sort of, we want to get the stuff that's inside of our head out. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't care who you are. There's value in that knowledge mm-hmm. uh, and, and connecting the people who find the value to your knowledge is the challenge. That's what Jay Wacker and Year Levine and, and Adam and Mark have to be so, uh, tasked l- with. Let me I ask you this. Faisal, sure. you're, Faisal, you're sitting here with 3,136 answers uh, as of today. You know, wow. if, you, if, you're, if, if someone says to you at Quora, hey, we're thinking about a monetization approach where people can bid and ask other people to answer questions. Um, we're going to start to advertise on answers. We're going to start, like there's multiple ways they can do it. One of which may incentivize people who have a ton of value already in Quora to start getting paid for those. Do you, as a top writer now, sitting there with 3,000 plus answers, are you pushing in some way? Do you really want to get paid for the work you've put in already? Or was there any incentive along the way thinking, you know, I know they're going to monetize someday, uh, if I just keep writing and writing and writing, eventually they're going to turn on the switch and I'm going to you know, start raking in cash ahead of everyone else. Was there ever that thought process going through the thousands of answers or was it more? 
it would be conniving of me to say no, but uh, yeah, everyone <laughs> thinks about that, sure. Uh, I'll tell you one thing, my initial uh, investment in time on Quora was to get to be somewhat of an authority in my field, uh, you know, both from an SEO level, Google, searching, etc., which definitely is there now. Uh, and I and I think I wrote about this thing way back on one of the answers on Quora. You know, what would, what would be great is if Quora had a monetization policy, uh, people uh, are operating a lot of blogs, and if ads are going to be placed on those blogs, if they have some sort of a revenue share model, you know, I would promote that blog more on Quora and get more traffic on Quora, and hence more, you know, adverts uh, can be displayed. And if Quora has a revenue share, that'll, you know, be it small, doesn't matter, but you know, it, it, it adds to the bottom line. So it's just an incentive. And when you incentivize something, you know, obviously you, you get more loyalty and retention and think that's what Quora would be aiming for in the long run. I so, agree. Uh, Do you think in the interim, is there going to be a monetization scheme? So if you look at like Pinterest, for instance, um, I, I know the guys over at Hello Society very well and they, you know, they, they make a lot of money basically allowing companies to advertise on Pinterest. Um, you see any third party companies coming up to you, Faisal, if they sent you a message and said, Hey, you know, we're going to start paying you to integrate a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of Nike or a little bit of, you know, uh, Adidas or you know, Verizon or, you know, some sort of company incentive into the answers. Uh, is that something that top writers you think would respond to and, and start well, doing? I, 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 I think there's a U.S. regulation on that, right? On blogging, uh, for paid interest, you have to make a disclosure. Uh, but but nonetheless, I think that's something that could be done. I think more importantly, people are going to be looking at Quora and seeing, you know, this guy is authoritative. You know, for example, someone's writing in the in, in the in the space for coding, or housing, or or traffic lights. You know, uh, I think Quora has a really really good system for going down a particular vertical and then targeting the mark. You know, the market companies who would like to advertise over there and I think they'll get get a good bang for their buck over there mm-hmm. and they can demand and they can demand a premium it's not like they would be paying the regular you know uh, CPM rate or uh, you know I, I don't know Whatever the Faisal, walk me through. Yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, you kind of inspired me here. If you're looking at someone, someone joins Quora today, right? Ninety nine percent of the world has never heard of Quora yet. If they come in and they see you, they're interested in the payment world, the technology world. They're gonna see you and Brian and a bunch of others, and they're saying, "Boy, you know, they're just so far ahead of me. How do I get to that level?" You know, what what was your journey like when you first joined? I'm sure it was just this little site. Yeah, probably at the time and didn't even have CSS on there. Yeah, well. <laughs> It's to become somewhat recognized on Quora takes, I, and I've, people have asked me this and I tell them, I said, one year of constant writing is just when you will get barely noticed on Quora. One year. Yeah. If you want to be somewhat of an authority, put in two, two and a half good years and you'll get somewhere. You know, nothing, nothing short of that. But it's not just it writing, right? It's, 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 yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's interactive. It's interactive. And and you know someone and someone said this thing to get on Quora and this sounds it's very important in my view you have to give the keys to the castle yeah you cannot keep the information to yourself that's I love what it. it's all about yeah. you have to share this thing uh, this was by the way said by a, a very good friend of mine Megan Burton who's the CEO of Coinex yeah. She yeah. said that. She said you have to give the keys to the castle away, and that's what a, a lot of people on Quora are doing. They are giving information that otherwise may be held for you know whatever reason or it's not easy to find, etc. But you come to Quora, you ask a question, and sure enough, there's someone out there who says, "Well, you know what? Here, I'll give you the keys. I'll tell you what the secret so, is." So, Faisal, let me let me ask you this. You know, I'm sure through your three thousand answers and years of writing, you've you've seen a little bit of the dark side of Quora. Is there any times <laughs> where you know people come to you and message you and say, "Hey, can you uh, you know can you write about my company or uh, you know?" Can I pay you to do this, or uh, can you change your answer a little bit here? Um, no, you know, what, never, are, what are some uh, of the things? Never. I mean, I get about, I get a very decent size of email every week, but never had that. The only thing that's uh, and, and that's a good thing. Uh, the only thing that I've had is you know people actually contact and say you know regarding such and such answer you wrote, would you mind willing to talk to us off the record or you know uh, in in a private setting with my company or you know I'd like to get to know you more or 
you know, and, and consulting assignments, et cetera, et cetera. So that comes out. You know, that's a natural byproduct. You know, I'm going to have to confess that um, all of the above has happened with me. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, I've, um, you know, early. You have, higher, you, you have a higher people rank than me. And, and so definitely. Well, people will come. you know, and, and sometimes, you know, you know, sometimes I'm a little too uh, early in announcing what I know is going to happen in the future. And it, uh, it makes me more controversial than I really want to be. But then again, I'm, I'm this excited guy that wants to tell everybody, hey, two or three years from now, or, you know, like with Apple getting involved in payments, I had um, two payment startups ask me specifically to lower my, uh, my tone on that because it is going to impact their ability uh, to get financing rounds. And, uh, it, you know, and I said, this is what's going to happen. I said, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, one particular company said, no, that's not going to happen. It's a fantasy of your mind, and, uh, and uh, you have a hidden agenda. So it, it kind of turned dark in that, in that sense. Obviously, today, you know, I guess if you want, I, I don't keep score of this, but I'm vindicated. This individual, I think, has uh, gone a long way to sort of apologize for the behavior. But uh, in the early days, um, it was very much a very personal thing. And, uh, and again, I try not to, you know, I try to write nothing but positive stuff and anything that's even remotely negative. Here's my decoder ring on it. It's because I absolutely love the people and the company. And, uh, I'm frustrated because I do not have a communication channel. Uh, not that I, I deserve one, right? I mean, I'm, I'm very, very honored when I have the ability to speak to people and, and talk directly. But if it's in my domain experience, right? And it's stuff that I know, and you know, like, like, at the core party, a lot of people were asking me about a specific startup, and they said, "How did was you- his name Square?" Yeah, all right, so Square. Um, you know, and, and, and I love again. I love. Finally said it. Darn it! I cut out of the bag. So they said, "How did you know in 2010 all of this was going to happen?" Because I had one individual there who literally printed out all of my predictions oh, in my paper goodness. right there, and and they they said, "You have a hundred percent accuracy." What? the heck is going on they literally cornered me and i was looking for help because i didn't know what i didn't know who this person was i mean oh my seriously. god ryan you have you have a certified stalker yeah there you I, go no no no, no no the story actually is is quite is quite nice uh and i i i was really touched by this they said listen i was going to go to work for that company and i was using a lot of your ideas uh, to uh, and I and he was actually being apologetic because he was using a lot of your ideas to get a job offer and uh, I tried twice, and I didn't have anything to say. I read your core stuff. I went in with two of your ideas, and they wanted to hire me on the spot. So and Brian, I said, well, well, hold on. No, the story you got to hear the rest of it. So the story goes on, and I said, "So did you take the job?" And he said, "No." And I said, "What happened?" He goes, "Well, I started reading more and more, and I realized oh, boy. that that either I'm going to have to get in there and hire you." Or I'm going to have to come clean. He goes, I just, I, because I, I, I wasn't able to think these things. And I go, listen, if you were there long enough, you would probably have been a, a master of change. And um, so it, it, it was kind of like a bittersweet sort of thing, but he's going on. And uh, so I think the good news is he's involved in a, uh, his own payment startup. And uh, frankly, uh, I think in two or three years, you and all of us will be talking to him. Uh, just absolutely brilliant individual. But like Faisal was saying, came about this with a love for payments, but not the knowledge set. Uh, and uh, classic Stanford, you know, kind of left Stanford kind of scenario, kind of bummed mm-hmm. around the programming community and uh, fell in love with payments. Uh, I could name five, six companies, one that has a whole lot of financing and they don't have a single product out. And the uh, CEO, the, yeah, all right. So uh, spend some time. It's a small world, Brian. There's really not too many of these companies out there. It's a small world after all. So you know, we're in the in the boat now in Disneyland. But so the thing that I, that that shocked me was how deeply people take what one writes, and it it, it really. My earlier days, I used to be a lot more um, sort of direct, and, and it's not like I, I hold things back, but I really am trying to be thoughtful. 
And uh, like recently, uh, Square came Brian, out. What is your strategy, right, Brian? When you're writing, you seem to have a lot of uh, craft behind your writing. I'll say, right? There seems to be a lot of intention. Maybe you'll bait companies a little bit. You know, what, what is there a particular objective you're trying to get out of there? And and in your answer, think about it. Where you know, if I'm writing, if I'm working at a company, if I'm a software engineer, if I'm a marketing guy, and I want to, you know, I want to start my own company, or I want to level up my own company. What can people do to sort of increase the value they get out of core because i think you've done a great job of of answering your answers in a way that uh sort of allude that you know more and and it's really interesting to read but i'm sure that's intentional well the very first thing i'll tell anybody about anything they do in life and it sounds like a bad graduation uh speech is you got to really dig deep for your passion and I, and and i think that's one of the reasons all of us are here is to try to surface that and i think that's the beauty of our journey so if you start believing in something that you're writing about and you really love it uh, objectively from all aspects, uh, it's natural that you're going to study it in all dimensions. You're going to study its history, its relevance, its expansion. And then if you really go down the road, you start interacting with it. Even if you're not in that business, you might go out and like, let's say, you know, there's people I know that love payments that never worked in the industry and they study it from every possible angle. The thing that I think is profoundly important for any subject, but specifically payments, is to understand that there is a history. And a lot of times when you see me sort of, you know, alluding to things, I, I I'll, I'll say it, but it's almost like a parrot, and I, I got to slap myself. I, I need an editor, damn it. But uh, is that a lot of the answers have already been supplied for us. And it does not mean that all things were already done before. It means that human beings have not changed in 250, 300,000 years, and we are emotional beings. And I don't care how rational you become, you will make your final decisions as an emotional decision. And so when we read and we write, uh, we should always try to find the emotion and the passion about what we're writing about. And if we can't do that, go back and say, why am I writing this? And I'm not saying everybody's going to do that to the nth degree. It does take uh, time. It is a journey. Uh, the more emotion you put into something, the more exposed you are as a human being. I'm sure all, Faisal and Mike, Mike, you've exposed yourself literally with what your journey has been through the startup world. This is a hard thing. I, I, I can't uh, begin to tell you that a lot of people who have Oh, totally. We, we actually we were, we were approached by just about the full gamut of people, entrepreneurs looking for advice on what they should do, reporters asking us why we did it, what the impact was, um, investors saying, you know, what was the re repercussion of the company. So I think there's, there's big value in doing that. Uh, Faisal, what did you think about your, your perception change over the years. Now, when you write now, is there a different uh, mindset or goal than when you initially started? And what would you say to people who are writing now early in their, in their stage, or even if they've had hundreds of answers on here and they're trying to get more out of their answers and interactions, you know, between upvotes, private messages, um, answers, blogs, you know, I have a blog, you have a blog, we have a podcast. There's a lot going on. Um, how do you sort of sort of sift through that and say this is the things that work? Um, these are the channels that that get the most value. You know, I uh, for one tell them a there is a there is a world outside the U.S. You know, so that's one thing. That by <laughs> you heard it here first. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there is, you, you you know that by itself takes so much of my time and energy when I write. Because uh, people are just assuming that you know it's it's just the northern and southern borders of the U.S. that makes it. Uh, but you know, outside the world, and I just try to give the I I try to give the either the uh, product validation of how it would be outside the U.S. or you know this is how it's being architected right now, uh, how the solutions are being you know being built outside the U.S. right now. Uh, my interaction with the U.S. payment system is only when it interacts with my with, with my side of the world. I do not uh, deal with a payment system that is absolutely U.S. concentric. I mean, that's something you know, there are hundreds of, if not thousands, of people already in the U.S. doing that. So um, I just have to be a little cautious. Uh, you know, sometimes you come across an unnecessary argument with someone who doesn't share your view, and I 
I have some very simple words to say to that. You know, feel free to disagree. I mean, that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I move on. I, I, you, I don't hold back. You, you know, I actually like the I like the dissension. I absolutely. I wish there was more ways to encourage it, especially on on blog posts, right? Uh, I mean, people will do comments, but I think I gain more value. And I, this is one of the secret things about Core that I absolutely love. And most people just don't seem to see it, is the commenting interactions to me is sometimes uh, on a day-to-day basis more rewarding than all the other things that are above the surface. And yeah, sometimes I, I, it I is want people... Take, I, want, I want to take a second and point out that, Brian, you're perhaps the only person who actually uses the person's full name when commenting and, you know, you sign it with your name. So kudos to you on those points. Yeah, it does well, look great. I'll say that. Yeah, well, There's a you know, brand consistency there. Well, you know, it, it's not that. It's, it's, my view is that a lot of comments are used for trolling activity. And if, if, if there is a method to my madness, I want to make it very clear to the person I'm talking to that I am right in front of them, looking at them in their eyes, and I'm talking to them. And I believe that we live in this world and we've seen the outcome of it um, uh, with uh, the destruction that the Internet's done in a lot of people's lives. By you don't own your words. You go out there and you do a 140-character quip and then you don't own it and you walk away. And I think that that is destroying our society in a lot of levels. And one of the ways I take that back and I, I take my ownership of who I am and who you are is I address you. And if there were ways to do that in a more personable way, I would do it, but... That's the closest I've, I've surmised. But the commenting is, is my way of being able to really not only thank that person for what they've done, but to also really kind of get to, into that finite detail uh, about what they're doing. And uh, it's, it's been phenomenal. And, and, and it's, it's, it's better than a, a private message in some regards because I think I'm creating a public uh, side discussion after they've given a lecture, if you will, where a group of us sort of broke off and now we're talking to the lecturer. And I think Quora could do great by really highlighting what those comments are really about. And I try to use that typography. Um, and uh, and I, hopefully, you know, they're listening and, and, and they see that. Again, you know, you have too many things going on in Quora. All of a sudden it becomes very, very difficult to navigate. But I- we're... We're all going to have to try to give our ideas because to keep us all here as a group, to keep us all together, this is going to be the challenge of Core's life. It's not, I'm telling you, it's not about monetization. I think that'll be easily done, and there's probably 20 great I agree with brilliant you. ideas. It's how do you keep this group together? How do you stop them from straying off and yawning and saying, I've, you know, I've, I've done with this? Because the first generation of the Core elite, they have, they have abandoned us. They've walked away. They're... They're like, uh, I don't have time. Yeah, which is so sad. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I have a, a somewhat lower level of esteem for some of these individuals because I really feel like uh, in some ways it was a manipulation that they were going through because they were so passionate and dedicated when it was you know, a group of Silicon Valley executives that were high-fiving. And now that the, the greater w- the world, the... Uh, the unwashed mess has come aboard. They're like, okay, you know, read my 2009 posting, and I'm, uh, you know, I won't even recognize your upvote. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think that's a challenge. That's a I challenge think it's a before. huge challenge, uh, Faisal. One, I would say, Faisal, one of the biggest, contra- the biggest, I would say, criticisms of Quora is in their ability to grow outside the tech world, uh, which is a, which is most of the world is outside the tech world. Yeah. What do you think of their ability to do that, uh, or what would what would make them successful? Because right now you you see people writing about topics in other other arenas, but you know if you look closely, they tend to be uh, tech originated or early adopter originated. Well, you know, so I I say to this that there's somewhat of a karma over here. Uh, people used to complain that Cora used to be San Francisco Valley and you know yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and purely Americanized until the Indians got on board and now they dominate the traffic and now I see the very same people saying well what is this person talking about you know uh, <laughs> and, 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 and it's funny to see so many Indian originated answers which I can relate to very easily because they're my neighbors uh, but I have a whole lot of pro- well, a, a lot of my friends across the pond have a whole lot of problems understanding and comprehending it. So yeah. you know, that, that's that, that's one funny aspect. But I think it's gravitating. Um, imagine if Quora turned on Chinese, uh, what would happen? 
So uh, they yeah, do they have other languages now, or is it just it's just well, English? This was discussed, right actually. Go ahead, Brian. The, yeah, this was discussed actually. Uh, somebody ha- had was brave, uh, and I, I forget this uh, young lady's name, but she took the microphone in the Q and A with with Adam and asked, "What is Core doing about the Indian problem?" With about twelve percent of the room Indian, maybe fifteen percent, and they were the ones that laughed the loudest. It was a kind of an uncomfortable moment because it went very quiet for a minute. And she was Asian-American, uh, uh, I imagine, a very clean American mm. accent, but of Asian origin. So it, it, was, it was funny in a sense that we knew what the meme was about. Uh, but, you know, the thing is, I, I don't call it an Indian problem. I call it a cultural disconnect problem. And I believe that this challenge, if solved will have a revolutionizing effect on the transfer of information. I believe that we, we need to have an Indian problem. We need to have a Chinese, China problem. We need to have a, a Ukra- I don't know, wherever the part of the world. There's a Ukrainian individual sitting next to me. Uh, and we had a wonderful conversation about the world, uh, you know, uh, after that, uh, that display. And um, so, yes, Americans are immensely arrogant. And uh, I want to give a shout out to a uh, gentleman, Paul uh, Dellinger, uh, who's uh, Chinese uh, origin. And he is probably uh, one of the most concise experts on the Asian uh, uh, part of the world, China in specific, Taiwan. And, and he comes back to me all the time. It gives me color on, on different events. But anyway, the problem is, I think, solved by making a language-specific portion of Quora. Similar to uh, Wikipedia? Where they break it off into different languages? Yes, but Adam had a brilliant idea, and maybe I'm talking one bit out of class, but uh, language translation service. Let's just say um, uh, Faisal sees an incredible answer uh, written in in a a dialect that he understands, and he does a language translation for that in uh, in an American English type of setting, not a British English that he is so good at. You know, there is no American English. No, I know, I know. I, I, I'm trying to be facetious here, but no. My, my point is, my point is, he he alluded to the fact that, and he didn't say he was going to make language specific. He said part of the challenge and the reward of core might be for people who understand both languages to translate and to uh, typify what that question or answer is, and they might make an avenue and path to do that. I think it's brilliant, but I think the way you solve the language. And cultural disconnect is you allow people to, to post in their own language. And then you allow people who find that content amazing, who have bilingual capability, to resurface it again. And I think it will, it will balkanize core to a bit, and that's inevitable. But I think I'd rather be balkanized with people cutting holes in a wall and allowing us to talk than have people say we have an Indian problem. Yeah. You know, uh, because let me tell you. Uh, there yeah, there's no Indian problem. Yeah, no, and it's funny because even the people who are from India, who I talk to all the time, they say that there is an Indian problem too. But, but I can tell you, I've learned more from that part of the world, from people who I barely understood what they were writing. Their questions were so hard. I had, well, a lot of times they're just personal, you know, instant, you know, personal messages on Quora. I get a lot, a lot Brian, of. Brian, let me let me just ask you real quick Bra- sure. for for the for the magnitude of visibility that you have. What do you see in terms of the volume um, and quality, or you know, I would say, how many messages do you receive a day on average in Quora inbox from new people? Inbox, it, it, it's funny because it started shifting people finding me, uh, and it, I'll go quick aside. I believe. Quora has the ability to be LinkedIn far better than LinkedIn at some point in the future. Agreed. Let me go on. Let me go on record as saying that I'm not saying clone LinkedIn, but what Faisal has been saying from almost the beginning is so absolutely true. Well, your resume, Faisal, is on Quora. It is not on LinkedIn. And uh, I know reason, I get uh, I get more queries from uh, Quora than I get from LinkedIn. By we were the just way. saying, Faisal, how many messages do you receive a day from new people? I don't know, in a week, maybe 10, 15, uh, mm. directly uh, on Quora. Wow. Uh, and about, I don't know, 15 also uh, off Quora, but from uh, Quora. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll expose some of this. Um, uh, Quora-related messages between 45 and 50 a day. Um, what? 
Really? Yeah. That's incredible. But, but, not, but not all from, through the core mailbox. It is very strange. Uh, here's what And happened. are these new people, Brian? 45 new people? Um, new people, these are, some of these are ongoing. Let's say new people, I'll quantify to about uh, 60 or so new people a week. Wow. And, okay. Uh, but, but here's what goes on, and this is what I'm trying to point out. They will somewhat, somehow not want to message me through Core. They'll go to my LinkedIn. They'll you know, either try to follow me through LinkedIn, which I'm not very active on. I, I have a great resume there. Uh, my Siberian University, uh, uh, <laughs> but you know, but they'll find my message uh, box there and then message me through email or something of that nature, and they say I found you on Core. And it, it started late 2011, uh, 2012. It sort of flattened out. 2013, it exploded, and now it's the primary way my Quora audience interacts w- with me is going through LinkedIn or the other social platforms or just digging up my email. Brian, have you noticed the difference between the length of answers? Because you take a, a noticeably different approach than Faisal does. Faisal's got 3,000 answers. You know, He tends to write real, I would say, short to medium length, consistent or concise answers. Um, you know, and they're fantastic. And he yeah, has a lot absolutely. of them, and they seem to you know, go across many different subjects, where you have about 800, but boy, some of those are just, you know, they could be theses. You know, you know, you write a thesis on one answer. Um, you know, what's your approach there? Do you consciously say I want to put a lot more effort into one because of my return is better on my time? You know, you must think about that. Is well, that- first off, I need an editor, right? Uh, I, I really do. But second off, um, it, it, it's it's my dedication to the subject. It's it's my belief that if I'm gonna if 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 I'm going to upset the waters out there with something. Uh, whether whether agreed upon by the majority or not, I, I don't test whether or not somebody's going to agree with me or not when I'm posting. I just look at the subject and its merit. I follow my heart in it, and I say I have to do this subject justice. And uh, and I really I got to tell you, a lot of it is edited immensely. You what you see on Quora is my distillation a lot of times, and you'll actually see. Uh, trailing answers on other uh, questions that are the continuation sometimes. And I realize that I'm asking a tremendous amount from my audience for them to read past six paragraphs. And I I know it myself. I mean, uh, I design my stuff, one of my strategies, I I design my stuff to be uh, skimmable. I design it for you to read some of the top, some of the headlines, and definitely the bottom. And then kind of get the idea, and then to frustrate the hell out of you that you didn't read the rest of it. But no, uh, I, I, I really try to make it rewarding for somebody to, to come along with me on my museum tour. Uh, I, and I realize that unless you find some of the subject interesting, you're going to bail out the very first exit door through my museum macabre of information, right? And, and, and in some ways, I kind of, I'm okay with that. I want you to kind of leave if, if I'm not taking you to the place where you want to go. But the people who've come through the entire journey with me, I find that when they interact with me, I'm, I, it's, it's a filter. The people who contact me, Mike and Faisal, the ones that really reach out, they've already been filtered by about 30, 40 gatekeepers, right? So a lot of people say, Brian, how do you take all these calls? I mean, sometimes I'll have 25, 30 calls directly related to core answers uh, in a day, right? And, and I have to edit myself in the calls sometimes, and I'm very sorry to some people. But what happens is the whole virtue of what I've written has filtered out people who otherwise wouldn't have wanted to contact me. But there's a double-edged sword. It also makes me, uh, and I think Faisal pointed this out maybe in the first show, it makes people feel un- unapproachable. And, and you're right, almost like you're, 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 the, you're the hot girl at the, at the dance, but you're just too hot. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm approach. single. Nobody wants to dance with me. No, but and I don't Brian, want it to be that way. I def- but, definitely but you know, don't. people people who know Brian who would have followed him for for the last couple of years would have noticed how open he's become, how approachable he's become. And it's amazing. Very, it really yeah, is, you, you, Brian. Yeah. He was a. He, in my words, he was very shy in the in, in the early days. And Brian, yeah, what do you? I, I was a nerd. What's, yeah, what's your Brian? What's your end game here? I mean, what what is, and maybe not as a long term play, but what do you what do you consistently? hope to get out of Quora, right? If you're looking back at your month and saying, boy, how was May um, in the Quora space, the Quora sphere, if you will, well, how do you determine success? My numbers are down. No. <laughs> uh, no I mean, actually, are, is it consulting yeah. work? 
Uh, do you look for small no. consulting work? Do you look for advisory positions uh, you know, in startups? You know, here's what's really interesting in my early arguments. In the, you know, these are CEOs of companies right now. I got into some massive arguments, and I love these guys. And we've made we've uh, you know made peace. Uh, they wanted to know what is your agenda, what is your end game. The thing that was frustrating them is they tried every which way to uh, determine that. The problem was my hidden agenda was I had none. I just simply, if you look at my my past, I I, I don't blog, I don't surface my stuff. It's not because I I don't want you to know me. It's because I just don't feel that a lot of it is very uh, profoundly interesting. Uh, and, and, and Ooh, I, I guess I guess that's why you see me write these dissertations. Is uh, is is my tick, my quirk? Is I, I don't feel like uh, I'm going to offer value unless I give it two hundred percent. That's what I do in my music. Before anything, I I believe in. That's when I do my music consulting and 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 you know artist consulting. I I believe that you can't leave a stage unless you can't walk off that stage. This Love is that. my view, and it's not it's not a game. It, it's. I, I've been influenced by people who were performers that did this, and I would watch them go on a stage and, and literally barf what is left in their belly out at the back where nobody could see them crying in a ball. And I'm talking about <laughs> rock stars. I'm talking about people who Who's you this? think are rock guards. Rock Katy guards. Perry? No, Katy, Katy actually would be crying uh, because she felt like she could give more to that performance. Not because of how the audience... You see, when you're on that stage, you don't... Well, when I'm writing, you're not really even... And I'm not saying we don't care. You, you care about the audience, but you're really caring about your, your art. How much are you dedicating to what you're doing? And, and are you giving it everything you possibly can? And I know I'm not asking this of everybody that writes a core, by the way. And, I, I, and I'm not asking people to write their bar or anything. This is just what my journey has been here and yeah from the beginning uh, i'm a very shy introverted nerd you know it's a beautiful I, thing uh, brian it got you uh, to come out of your but i but i would say you know brian you're a teacher you like sharing the knowledge with the same yeah. love that you have for it and that's what goes into your writing yeah and, and and it's my way of paying back because i i would not be this person i am today and i love who i am and where i am if it wasn't for these teachers uh, that, that helped me. So I feel like I'm giving back. But what's my end game? I don't know. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I talk to my wife. I talk to my good friends and saying, what are you getting out of it? Well, I have gotten, I, I can't even count how many job opportunities. Yeah, I would say you're and, walking down a very uh, high serendipitous road, right? Yeah, you can't necessarily call your shot, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. Because, I mean, I, I had a job offer uh, at the Core event. And uh, not, not from Core, uh, from an individual that showed up there. And I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be arrogant here or I'm turning down jobs. A lot of them, I would take every one of these jobs, period. Boy, uh, I think even the guys when we had Sasha on the show over at uh, LendUp, I mean, you know, I think he had such a keen interest in bringing you on if that was something you wanted. So I see where it, it brings opportunities your way. Yeah. Um, Faisal, let me ask you this. If, if people are coming on the core now and say you sort of break people up into a couple different segments or categories of people and you have the, the guys who are now running startups, uh, maybe they've got, you know, a million dollars in funding, five people and they're just desperate for exposure and traction. How does that person use Quora in a way that gets him visibility? It gives him a return on his investment of time. Um, you know, what does a, a startup founder do to utilize Quora in the in the best possible way? Is it to message people? Is it to write solid answers? Is it to? I think um, if if they want to get noticed, I would hold uh, to my earlier statement. It would take about a year before you get noticed. I agree. Properly. Yeah. Uh, if they want to seek answers to their questions, you know, they can do that from day one. But to be noticed and to become a topic of interest for others to contribute, for, for you, you must contribute to Quora, and it will take you one year, if not more. Now, now Mike, there's so many people now on it. You know? Now, Mike can't get out of this unscathed. Uh, you, what, tell me <laughs> of your Quora experience, because you, you, I've discovered you through here indirectly, and um, obviously in the early days when you were in a, um, a somewhat payment startup, I, I, I had uh, great, amazing conversations with, with you and your founder, and uh, I think uh, they were uh, originally related to Quora. So uh, yeah, what's your my, experience? You know, it, it, I think it always has to originate from your heart. I think it comes from a place where you see this kind combination of, um, you know, they, they probably won't use this analogy internally, but it's almost Wikipedia meets Facebook, right? It's Facebook yeah. just doesn't do it for me. Uh, Wikipedia is dry. Um, and, and Quora is this vibrant living place of just 
pure intellect. And that's, that's inherently super interesting to some people. Um, I naturally just gravitated towards it, just started reading and reading and eventually start contributing. Uh, it'd be interesting to see internally at Quora sort of that um, absorption of knowledge ratio to um, sort of divulging of knowledge. And eventually I would start writing and you sort of write about what you know, because it, it's by far the easiest topic to write about, as opposed to speculating or answering broad questions. And at the time, you know, we were knee deep, you know, heads deep in, in, in web-based point of sale software and distributing it and building it and everything about it. So I just said to myself, I'm going to write at least one answer every day. And for one day, every, every day, I would, uh, write one answer. And it just turned out to be this, um, this momentum builder that, you know, after 40 days, I had 45 answers and it just keeps on steamrolling. And eventually you meet people, you become, you know, you, you see who the other players are. People start messaging you. So you start to see the business return for it, which I think is the long term play. Uh, for me, it, 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 like you said, Brian, LinkedIn is, it's just a static resource. Sure, they've got groups, but boy, it's not, it's not interactive. You're not building your life from LinkedIn. Could you imagine, could you imagine some elements, uh, on the side, let's say, of what LinkedIn is about? Uh, within the you know your your profile page on Core, I think it would be phenomenal. Now I, you you did a recent blog post which was just absolutely amazing. Um, now I don't remember it sitting out here uh, without my oh tools, the uh, but, the learning sprints. Oh my God, yes. Now what motivated you? Because that you you led me down a whole road with that. That's just yeah. That that it's funny. I think the, the other thing that's interesting about Core is you really can't anticipate the response you're going to get. You know, I've been thinking about that for well over a year and, you know, just egged on by my buddy to write about it after I went up to San Francisco and told him about it. And he said, you know, you should really write a post on that. And I did. And, and it shot up to 400 upvotes in less than a week. And for me, that's a, that's a pretty, you know, I don't have the momentum yeah. behind me like you guys do. So that was a pretty big deal. And I think a lot of it just is serendipitous it's you know there's a lot of ideas we all have you got to just put them out there see that's the information i didn't know i wanted to know do you see my point it's yeah. like if i wasn't following you and i didn't you know i didn't have some connection here it's hidden in a blog post somewhere deep in the in the bowels of uh, of core um and this is what always seems to frustrate me is i i get mad when i find a, an answer from 2010 that I didn't see back in 2010. I'm like, why yeah. did I do this? It's you funny. Know? There's so many product ideas. So we've got about another minute left. Um, let me ask Brian, where do you see Quora in 10 years, right? We'll, we'll put the spectrum a little outside in terms of the number of people using it, um, the uh, just number of people using it, percentage worldwide. Is it bigger than Facebook? Is it a long-term play? Does it start to take over Wikipedia? Um, where's the, what's the magnitude of Quora in 10 years? Well, it, it'll never take over Wikipedia. Wikipedia is a dry reiterating and parroting of facts. And, and, and that's great if you just want a fact and you walk away. And in the early days of Quora, there was this idea that they were going to be a Wikipedia. And I was one of the rebellious, uh, and I still do that, and I, I got kind of got barred from the science sections because... I'm a dissenter. I believe that the knowledge that we know today as a fact will be laughed at 1,000 years from now. And we need to be humble with that notion. And that doesn't mean that you don't, as a domain expert, uh, experienced person and scientist and research community, don't state things that, hey, this is what our best... You don't say this is a scientific fact or all of us agree with it. You say this is our best interpretation of our observations. Today, it's internally self-consistent. So Wikipedia is about that, right? But... But let me yeah. refrain, Brian. Let me ask sure. you this: it, What is Core's endgame? Right, every company okay. either either they run out of money and they disappear, they IPO, or oh, they get yeah, acquired. Yeah, yeah. Which one of those? In, in right. which one of the those? The most do you crucial say? thing for Core is the next three years in its entire existence, and pr primarily uh, the the middle of those next three years. Uh, what's going to happen is they're going to have a cathartic uh, sort of crisis, which I believe that they're going to challenge, they have the minds to challenge this. And that is, how does this scale on a world level, like we spoke to? And how do we stay independent? If they make it through there, uh, you talk about 10 years, this will be larger than IPO? Wikipedia. I, they would have to ultimately either be Google purchased or IPO'd at the, at the five-year mark. Uh, five years, Google, Google acquires them? No, I, most, I really hope not. You know? <laughs> I, 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 I really believe I think that they can IPO. It, well, you know, 
I believe they can IPO. I believe that that is the ultimate end game. I believe five to seven years. Seven years is too long, perhaps. All right, six but, years, they're going to IPO. Brian, uh, yes. Faisal, what do you think? I think, uh, for me, it's just, I don't even think, uh, you know, as far ahead as you guys do. I'm just thinking, how can they retain uh, their existing top writers and the existing crowd? Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. that's very important for me. Mm-hmm. So what they, what's their end game and what amount of time? IPO, acquisition? I think acquisition, probably about five years. And by Google? <laughs> I agree with Brian. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, it's been a great show. Well, um, let, me, let me just say Brian, this. you got a closing yeah. remark? Let's hear it. Yeah, let me say this, that I am extremely, extremely thankful for what uh, CORE has done. I'm thankful for you, uh, you guys and all of the listeners that uh, I think primarily are being drawn from uh, CORE initially, and now I think we're expanding and hopefully drawing people into what CORE is about. If you're listening to this broadcast, join up, and it's okay to be along the wall and to be shy. 99% of what I do at CORE is a, I'm an observer. I really feel like I'm not giving enough back on what I've given uh, given out, you know, it is incredible. Uh, just this podcast, just this podcast itself would not have been created. You know, I wouldn't know you guys. That's a fact. It wasn't yeah. for a quarter. So absolutely. absolutely. So join in anybody listening, join in and you do have something of great knowledge to share. And I'm not trying to be Mr. Nice guy. I really do. If you dig deep, there is that question. And guess what? If that question doesn't exist, go and write it yourself and answer it yourself. Nobody cares. Love I that. do that a lot. Just Love that. Out. You can be wrong. <laughs> yeah, you can be wrong, and you can maybe upvote yourself a few times. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> All right, guys. All right. Wonderful show, guys. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Talk next week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.